0: Hey, you're listening to Pueblo's Health, a podcast by the Pueblo Department of Public Health and Environment. I'm your host, Tristan Garcia, communications specialist here at PDPH and E. And I'm so glad you've taken the time out to learn more about public health in your community, the one stop shop for all things public health. Right here on the podcast, continuing a series, and I'm so glad to have my guest in studio with me again, Melinda Sentence from the Your Words Have Power campaign. Melinda, how are you?
1: Hi, Tristan. I'm doing wonderful. How are you?
0: I'm glad to have you in because last time we talked about this campaign, I said you're like lightning in a bottle and you're back in the studio and you're sharing positivity. And I just thank you so much for uh, bringing this idea and this content to Pueblo.
1: You are so welcome. Hello, Pablo. Hopefully everybody's doing well. We have a great guest speaker today, but before um, she shares her story, I would like to remind everyone what uh, Your Words Have Power is. Please. It is a, a campaign that empowers individuals who are struggling with a substance use disorder that recovery is possible, but also for those who have never struggled with a substance use disorder that words can be so powerful that it can either make or break a person. So here we're choosing positive words, words that make people and create a positive and healthy Pueblo. So your words of power, we have 15 stories of members with lived experience who are on the way in, who are in recovery mm-hmm. and share their stories.
0: Yeah, and if you missed the first installment of this podcast series, and Cabello, a member of the Your Words Have Para campaign, shared her story on Pueblo's health last time. Go back and listen to that today. Even more excited for our guest, Sam Pino. Sam, how are you today?
2: I'm doing good. Thank you so much for inviting me and having me on. I'm Absolutely.
0: Super yeah, I can't wait for you to share your story with us. So tell us first how you got involved with the campaign and what it means to you.
2: Um, the campaign is super awesome. So I got involved. I met Melinda um, through a peer pod. She goes out. It's kind of just like a group of professionals, volunteers, individuals in a sustained recovery or short-term recovery, even in active addiction, just kind of like coming together and sharing what the community really needs. I think a lot of times... There's people that are like in a, a position of power that I kind of look down and they're like, oh, you know, this would help this group of people or this would help this group of people. But nobody knows better than the people that are involved in the community. So um, it's just like an amazing group that I get to be a part of. So I met Melinda through that process um, and we actually got to do some volunteer work at the state fair last year. Hopefully we're going to do it again this time, too. Um, and we just kind of gradually talking about the, the project and what it means and how I could be a part of it.
0: And how. How much does it mean to you now to be able to take everything you've learned, your lived experience and, and actually going through recovery yourself to be able to help others now start that journey?
2: It's everything. Honestly, I know I always tell people like if I wasn't in this job, um, I wouldn't be able to stay sober. Like being able to be reminded every single day kind of of where I came from. I know it doesn't work for some people, but I need that. Um, so just understanding, you know, that everybody struggles with their things and, and has these hard times, um, But there's there's power in it and there's an impact that you can make long term for people. So I I love it. It's it's definitely impacted me.
0: Wow. Melinda, I know you've got a couple of questions you can't wait to ask. Fire away.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So, Sam, if you don't mind, uh, what is one thing that you would like to share with our community out there? um just that honestly recovery is possible um it's
2: it's 100% obtainable it's a hard hard thing to do and and you really don't know how hard it is until you're you're in the cycle but it is you can do it and you can only do it you can be very successful in it, you can thrive, you can completely like, get the things out of your life that you deserve and that you want.
1: I love that. I really love that. So while you were going through your um, active substance use disorder, did you have a support system? Or was there a person out there that where you can say, Oh, my God, this person really helped me out a lot? You know what? It was twofold for me. So kind of like a little bit of backstory on me.
2: I'm, I've been in recovery for a little over six years now. Yay. Um, throughout my process, I think I did what a lot of people do in their active addi- addiction and they burn every single bridge. Um, all their resources, they kind of just go out the window. Specifically for me, um, my family is like my support system now, and they they always were. But um, in my darkest days, I had a little one. He was removed from my care at seven months because of my substance use, and I had a DSS case. Um, my child was placed in the custody with my parents. And so they kind of had to keep me at arm's distance um, because, because of the baby. They couldn't really be around him with the court requirements. Um, and also everyone was mad at me, you know? So I, I went through the, this twofold series where I went from having and knowing all this love and support to having nothing and no one. Um, and it's hard, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Like now, especially that I have my family back in my life. I, I see it every single day. Like they're, they're literally my, my structure, my table. They're the best things for me. But I also remember being in a position where I would get asked that question, who's your support system? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't Mm. have one, you know. And Mm. I see that all the time with the clients that I work with. Not everybody comes. I I think Pueblo is affected a lot by generational substance use. Um, So a lot of people don't have that that recovery and that support. So I think it's also important to note that you can find it elsewhere. There's a bunch of different groups, amazing places um, that you can like kind of create your own family, your own support system, your own understanding, whatever that looks like to
1: you. Awesome! Awesome! Great answer. Thank you for sharing that, Sam. Now, my next question is: um, Have you ever felt hopeless throughout the whole entire time? Whenever you did, um, were in this active? Yeah, absolutely. So,
2: um, actually, in my specific story with words have words have meaning, um, with words have power campaign. Um, I, I think I specifically touch on how hopeless I felt, um, there at the kind of the end of my run. I mean, I felt hopeless throughout the whole process. You live in a cycle where you wake up every single day, sick, broke, sad with nothing, with no one. Um, it's, it's a dark, it's a dark place to be. So I felt hopeless throughout the whole process. Um, but at, at the end of, at the end of my cycle, the end of my run, um, I was suicidal I I, every single day I was just waiting that hoping and wishing that that day was going to be my last like I didn't want to wake up in the morning Mm -hmm. like you know I I was I eventually had a suicide attempt in 2016 um, and that kind of just like really opened my eyes so I know I have felt hopeless a lot of times in my journey. Um, and even in recovery, things get hard. Like I, I, the way I explain it to people that are not in substance use or don't have that recovery piece, it's like a new year's goal, right? Like you have all this motivation, Mm -hmm. the first through the fifth, but then that motivation is going to eventually end and things are hard. Like, it's not as fun to like, you know, buy the gallon of water, water and take it everywhere. You know, like things get hard, like the pressure gets applied and you have to find those, those resources that are not just motivation because it's going to end. Really quick, yeah. and you're not going to know what to do when it does if you don't have the other things to look for and live for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So,
1: um, <clears throat> going back to the your words have power. Um, throughout your journey, was there one particular word that really affected you and that really took your confidence going through recovery? You
2: know what? I think uh, so many times people in recovery or in active addiction are called horrible things. Um, in my of addiction, I remembered though, nobody can make me feel worse than I already felt about myself. So to hear the things like addict, junkie user, you know, all these horrible things didn't affect me in that process because I knew, I knew what I was, you know, I knew, I knew my struggles and nothing you could say could hurt my feelings more than I hurt my feelings on a daily basis. So, mm. um, however, there is one word specifically that, that affects me even still to this day. And it's just like, you know, you're just a mom, you're just this, you're just that. And regardless of whatever you've lived through your trauma, your education, your background, like what you are to other people, you're not just anything like you are everything. Like you, you are the strongest person in your life and it's, it's impactful. Like I hear, I hear people say it all the time and they don't know that, that word has like potentially a lot of negative meaning behind it. So I always remind people like, you're not just anything, like you are everything. Like you don't have to just be an employee or just be a friend or, you know, like there's such power and meaning behind that by itself. Wow. You know?
0: Yeah. Sam, can I ask you as part of the, your words have power campaign? It's changing the narrative about these words in your stories and telling others now that these things don't mean what they used to do you ever find yourself taking that word just and applying it to the circumstances that don't apply to you anymore like that was just a phase of your life or that was just the old me how do you kind of take control back of that
2: you know what that is that's a good way to say it because i i do always want to make sure there's that clarification of who I used to be is not who I am today. So yeah, there is a a way you can put a positive spin on that. Like I, that was, that was just me back then, you know, that was not who I am now though.
0: And now you are so much more. You were telling us just before we got started that you're in school, you coined yourself like a professional student. (laughs) I'm sure it gets tiring, but talk about now what you're doing and accomplishing.
2: Yeah. So uh, going back to the professional student, I feel like I've been in like college classes since I was 18 years old um and even during like the worst part of my addiction I think I was just going to school so that I could get the like financial aid reimbursement packet because you know that money comes in handy when you're using every day um but throughout this process I knew when I got sober that I wanted to do so much more for the community the community in a positive way um versus all the negative things that I had done so um I started working on my CAC which is now called a CAT so my certified addiction technician um, certificate and I realized through that process, like, that's a really, really, really amazing thing. However, it's not going to be enough for me. Like, I just wanted to kind of take it a little bit further. So um, I started working on, thank goodness for all that time in, in college, <laughs> because I did have a good amount of college credits. Um, but I spent, like, the next year and a half at um, the community college here in town, PCC, getting my associates, um, taking some classes in social work. And I realized that that's where I wanted and needed to be. Like, there, there's such diversity in that role and it's really about the people for the people like and i i knew that was something that was important to me long term so i graduated with my associates in arts at pcc and then i transferred um became like a full-time college student um at the university here in town and i'm graduating in may actually whoa Um, yeah so it's it's awesome um i call it step two though because it's not exactly where i want to be at the end of the day um i still have one more large goal that i want to complete Uh, ideally I'll start a graduate program for my master's in, in the fall. And because of my bachelor's in social work, I'm able to do it in three semesters instead of the typical
1: six. So quick turnaround. Sky is the limit for Sam. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm very proud of you. You. Um, you accomplished a lot of great things in your life, Sam. You overcome, you overcame a lot of stuff too, of course, but um, you in school, you're a peer support specialist, which what does a peer support specialist do? Um, I, am so glad
2: you're asking me this because I actually was, I had the opportunity, such a cool thing to speak at the winter symposium, um, coming from my background, I didn't even think education was an option for me, let alone to be invited to be a speaker at, at something that huge. Um, so it's basically like a conference with a bunch of professionals, you know, in the field. So me as somebody that's in my, my recovery, I'm just like, wait, what, you know, eyes big everywhere I go. I'm like, this is a real thing. Like I was actually invited to do something like this. Just kept pinching myself all day. But, um, my group, I worked, I spoke with two other individuals and we specifically covered that exact thing. Like what's, what's a comprehensive approach? How do peers, work in the field and what do they do exactly Um, and it's such a wide range really like no two peers are alike and it's really dependent on what the client's needs are so I've had clients that are like actively in an emergency you know they're they just got kicked out of their house they're on the streets with the baby they're relapsed like when you're in those moments it really feels like the end of the world and they're super hard and, and you have nobody to nobody to really turn to the fact that I'm a peer is that I've kind of lived through some of those same experiences. And I understand what it's like to be again, lonely, afraid, scared. Um, so I do that. I help people navigate the early stages of recovery. Um, I talk to people about everything, like whether it's school, them going back to school or them wanting to find like a meaningful career or their backgrounds, um, in like criminal stuff too, because when we're in active addiction, we do a lot of things that we typically wouldn't do. So sometimes that follows us for a while. Um, so I talk to people about how to kind of get out of that narrative and make sure that they know that there are options for them to find meaningful work. Um, gosh, I talk to people about resources in town. I, um, strengthen their understanding of like advocacy efforts and how they can stand up for themselves and like be able to create boundaries for other people. Like my personal experience, um, I was addicted to heroin and meth for about five years on and off of my life. Um, I was in a domestic violence situation for many years too. Had my son removed with DSS. Um, and then I also have a felony charge. So I get a, you know, they're, they're like, when you look at him, it's like a giant list of cons, like all these horrible things that have happened or like who, who I used to be. Right. Like, but when you look at them in the aspect of a peer, it's like, Oh my gosh, you have all this lived experience. Like you, you really can touch a lot of people and explain to them. Um, I also get the opportunity to go out with the fire department and I respond to, um, overdoses within 72 hours of them happening. So we don't go out to actively, um, active overdoses, but we just try to provide services. So my capacity in that role is I get to tell people like, Hey, it is, it is possible. I know where you're at and I know it's scary and I know what it looks like to, this is down and out. This is like your lowest of low, like your life could have ended, you know, a day ago. Um, and I provide them with harm reduction because that people don't recover, right? And want to make sure that the families are educated on what fentanyl testing strips are, or what Narcan is. Um, I make sure they have those supplies, but also give them information on how to get more. Um, I do that piece. I talk to a lot of families because, addiction is ultimately a family disease, you know, and a lot of people either, it's like one of two things, either you're using drugs with your family because that's the environment that you grew up in, or your family knows absolutely nothing, nothing about your substance use and your addiction. Excuse me. Um, they know nothing about your substance use or your addiction. Um, and they just don't get it. I hear all the time from families, like, why don't they just stop? I'm like, I promise if it was that easy, they would like nobody, we don't want to hurt people. You know, there's, I I never, I think in this world, there's there's very few actually bad people. You know, it's just people that make bad decisions. And sometimes we make those bad decisions over and over and over again. But they're learning opportunities too. So I get the opportunity to talk to a lot of family members, educate them on what substance use is, make sure they're aware of resources available for them too. I refer them over to like a friends and family group all the time so that they can kind of learn how to create some balance in their life around substance use too because like I said, it, it goes both ways. It's for, it, it affects them just as much as it affects the the person that's actively using. Awesome.
0: Wow, I, I've got to ask Sam because you mentioned it with dealing with other people that rock bottom, the, the lowest of lows that people have experienced. Do you feel like you've had that moment in your life and, and how close are you maybe to the peak?
2: I feel like if you ask a lot of people in, Recovery, I think that's an old school terminology. Like it, it is there, but people say you don't get better until you hit your rock bottom. But I have lived at a new rock bottom of my rock bottom. Like it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse, and you can't. You literally think there's no other horrible thing that could happen to you, or like no lower low that you can get to. But I promise you, there is, and I've I've experienced that. Um. So, but I have been at very low parts in my life, very low stages. Um. And I don't know. There's there's really no peak for me. You know, I think looking at it like even at one point my peak was just having a full time job with benefits. And then it became like getting an associate's degree, degree. Um and now I'm looking at like, do I wanna get a doctorate, you know? Like and it's not just professional wise too, like there's so many it's it's finding balance everywhere in your life. So, you know, like when it comes to being a mom, I, I wanna be a the best mom that I can be. I want to be able to take my child's places. And, um, I had mentioned before the podcast, like your, I heard this quote, your ceiling is your child's bottom floor. And so I I really think like sky is the limit. I don't know Mm -hmm. where I can ever like put a cap on like what I want to accomplish and what I want to do. Um, I just know that I want to be there to support people that I care about and that I love and the community that, that needs that support.
0: Well, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. Hopefully this is a a step that helps continue as you find your peak, and and maybe that never comes. I know Melinda said the sky's the limit. I I think the sentiment is there mutual. I I am so proud of you. I'm I'm glad to have known you and gotten the chance to speak with you today. Uh, A parting word, if you have any words of advice for anyone listening.
2: I would say, um, you know, you just got to kind of, you have to support people where they're at, is my thing. Um, if if you're in active addiction and you're listening to this, know that recovery is possible. But if you're a community member that's just kind of tired of seeing the same old problems affecting the same old areas and it's just getting worse, um, start supporting movements like this. Start understanding that there are good people out there that are changing the narrative and removing the stigma and supporting people. Um, the only way to change is to be able to to create that growth in other people by supporting them. You know, the more you make people feel bad about themselves or feel guilty or think that they're not on the same level or classification as you are because they struggle with different things than you do. Um, it just makes our community sicker. So if I can, I can share those two messages recovery as possible. You can have a meaningful life. Um, and the best way to do it is to start supporting each other.
1: Wow. I love that very powerful words from Sam. Thank you so very much, Sam. Um, I also would like to point out that if there's anybody out there who is having thoughts of hurting yourself or others, please, you are not alone. Please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. And if you're a veteran, the Veteran Crisis Line is also available. Just dial 988. And I'm going to repeat that one more time, 988, and then press 1
0: melinda sam i thank you both so much for joining me today and and continuing this conversation about the your words have power campaign i'm so glad to have had the time to chat with you today
2: thank you thank so you much Kristen. guys
0: bye bye thanks to our listeners as well the your words have power campaign gonna keep rolling on here on Pudlow's health so if you missed the first episode go back thanks so much for joining us today and we'll keep rolling through it i hope you have a wonderful rest of your day